0: Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Mechcomb, Illinois. And we have got a great show for you today. We're gonna be talking with our assistant dean and boss, Dr. Travis Burke. But before we get to Travis, folks, I can't do this alone because you know, when I talk to the higher ups, I start sweating, fumbling on my words, um, and I'm a mess. So I gotta bring in a local food systems and small farms educator, Katie Parker and Quincy. Hey, Katie.
1: Hey,
0: Chris, how are things going in Macomb today? Oh, uh, it's cold, uh, but delightful. I mean, it's January. What do you expect? uh, Right, we got to get that
1: insect and disease-killing weather sooner
0: or later. That's right. We got to knock them out (laughs) before they knock us out this (laughs) summer. So, Well, as someone who I also know is just loving uh, this weather, he's probably ran to work in his shorts today horticulture educator ken johnson in jacksonville hey ken i wasn't in the office i'd wear shorts
2: we're we're almost a winter jacket weather now oh almost we're, we're getting close did you, you have to sub- get your zero? jacket
1: out last week when it was negative degrees
2: um it's out i never wore it. i just wear my <laughs> fleece jacket. <but laughs>
1: You are Uh, built for the Midwest. I I was
2: not for
0: long periods of time, so it wasn't a big deal. (laughs) I wish I had my blood vessels like yours, Ken, where they didn't freeze. So, unfortunately, my body doesn't work like that. So, oh my goodness, are you guys ready to talk to our our boss? Uh, um, What we have our questions straightened away. How's my tie look? I want to make sure we are all presentable here today. Get your resumes brushed up in case this goes south. (laughs)
2: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Can I ask one of you as a reference, uh, just in case?
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: That sounds good. Well, I think without further ado, we need to introduce um, Dr. Travis uh, Burke, so Assistant Dean uh, with University of Illinois, and also the team leader for the agriculture and agribusiness team of here at Extension. Travis, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, glad to be here. And I w- must say, you guys, you really uh, fit the dress code today. You're looking beautiful. Looking beautiful.
0: Uh, thank you. I, layers is the theme of the week, I think, at least. for yeah, me. Yeah, that's it. you yeah. guys
3: are dressed for the occasion. I'll assure you that.
0: Yes. Well, <laughs> we are really happy to have you here on the Good Growing Podcast. Um, you're you're new to the state. We're going to kick off with that. Um, and and you're you're head of the team of the agriculture agribusiness of which myself Ken and Katie were all members of this uh, statewide team and group. That you uh, you are our fearless leader. That's how that's that's who you are. No pressure, um, Chris. No pressure at all. None. <laughs> um, but before we get to today, as a first guest on the podcast, we have to ask about your past and and talk about. Where you came from, so I want to know more about, um, I guess maybe your childhood. Because there's always like something that brings us into agriculture or horticulture. What it is that we we decide to do? So, Travis, did you grow up on a farm, or give us a little bit of backstory there? Uh, this is
3: scary uh, bringing <laughs> up the past. If you sure you're ready for that, guys? Uh, we'll, uh, we'll give we're it We're ready. A go we if have you're a- ready.
0: We have a filter uh, warning here for this podcast, so don't oh, okay, worry, NC-17, please. there we go. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, look, I just want to
3: say I'm really glad to be here with you all and uh, to be here in the state of Illinois. I thought about it and I was thinking, well, I've been in North Carolina all of my childhood and adult life. Why not do something bold and audacious like, move to Illinois, so here I am. <laughs> it's kind of interesting though i have uh did grow up on a farm and i uh, have a farm background and and uh livestock and crops and uh, a lot of the things that we grow here in illinois now so you know I, I, it's it's uh no uh, mystery to me uh it's just something that i said well go big or go home so mm-hmm. where else would you want to be than in the heart of the America's breadbasket, right here in Illinois, for agriculture. So, um, so we we're glad to be here, and and uh, with my maybe with some of the things I've done in the past. Well, maybe we can sort of use those things to help us out here in, in the
0: state of Illinois. So, North Carolina, I, I think it is a beautiful state, and the the scenery, the environment changes whether you're on the coast or you're you're over in the mountains there, uh, where what part of the state was your farm located? Is your farm located?
3: Sure. Well, yeah, the state uh, is a little different. Uh, I was uh,
0: at a meeting yesterday with uh,
3: uh, Dr. Ballero, the the uh, dean here, interim dean, and that's kind of what we were talking about, how uh, the states differ in terms of the types of agricultural commodities and what the offerings are here versus uh, back at North Carolina. I'm from the eastern part of the state, and I've been kidding with my family and some people back home last week because I told them I moved to Illinois to get away from the bad weather because uh, they had six inches of snow last week and, and everything shut down right on the far coast of uh, the state. So we were uh, located about an hour inland from the Atlantic and uh, sort of about 45 miles from the Virginia Beach Uh, Harbor area. So right on the northeastern tip of the state and North North Carolina is not exactly the same shape if you would flip it on its side as Illinois, but it's a very uh, long state east to west where
0: Illinois
3: is uh, long from north to south. So uh, it's about uh, not quite 500 miles from the far eastern tip to the far western tip. And we do have the mountains, the coastal plains, and the Piedmont is uh, sort of how we divide the, the state. A little different than here, and uh, we do have mountains, but uh, not very many mountains in Illinois. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> the only mountains we have are in the winter when the snow. Yeah, that's lot. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, that's a, some good elevation there on those snow piles.
3: Yeah, looking forward to it too, Ken. <laughs>
2: So prior to coming to Illinois, you were with um, North Carolina State Extension. So what led you to, what kind of led you to that extension path as a career?
3: Um, well, I guess I figured you probably would ask me something like that, uh, but it's not one of those things where I was seven or eight years old and said, "Oh boy, when I grow up, I want to go work for extension." That didn't happen. So I don't want to disappoint you guys, but that did not happen. So actually the way it all uh, worked out is I came from uh, a large family and, you know, and, and back when we grew up, I was for a long time, the youngest of seven kids. And, uh, and then I had a younger brother that came along uh, almost 12 years after me. And so there were actually eight of us. So, you know, that, the we were in a very, uh, humble beginnings. And, uh, so you, you kind of did what you had to do to, to survive. And, uh, it was a a lot of work and, uh, you know, I was just wanting to just say, do I want to get out of this farm life or what? So the older I got, uh, working and you know, kids love driving tractors and my dad would always take me out and drive a tractor. And, uh, so for any, kid growing up now some of the best training you can get is on a farm where you learn how to drive a stick and a clutch and uh gears on a column drive a tractor back trailers all of those life skills that that you get on a farm so i thought well you know let's give it a go and go to nc state see what happens and i said well an extension position came available near my hometown next door and i said i'll give it a try and see what happens and And uh, over 32 years later, (laughs) I was still there. So that's sort of how it all worked out and just did all the positions from county educators like you guys. Uh, And my last job was uh, director of extension for uh, about a year. So uh, I kind of had a wide range of experience. That's why I'm so fond of extension educators because that's probably one of the hardest jobs I had, and one of the most rewarding jobs I had, was working out in the county with uh, in 4-H and with farmers and uh, and helping people. So uh, that's sort of how it all began. And and uh, so uh, again, I just have a great appreciation for extension educators around the state of Illinois and around the country, for that matter.
2: So, do you have any one moment, maybe as an educator or? as an administrator that kind of stands out from your time there?
3: Uh, There's quite a few, uh, but I'll just pick a couple. Just, um, it was uh, the other day, I uh, had someone that I hadn't spoken to in in quite some time. And uh, this was a gentleman who, uh, I would just say, he, he left extension and both parties, uh, we we had a mutual agreement uh, when he left. He had been in extension for over 25 years, and uh, and so this guy uh, he he retired or left extension, and I hadn't spoken with him since he retired about eight years ago, or it might have been longer than that, maybe 10 years ago. And he calls me up out of the blue and said, Travis and I'll just use the name, this is Larry. And I'm like, Larry who? And then he told me and I'm like, oh gosh, he said, I just wanted to call to apologize to you for the way I uh, responded to our conversation before I retired. And I'm like, what happened? And I'm thinking, what did I do? And uh, and so, you know, and then I reflected on it because I worked with a lot of people over the years and I knew who he was. And and so then I could see what he meant. I said, no, that was fine. I said, you you know, we did what was best for everyone. And, and uh, I didn't think at all about it. And uh, so, and next thing you know, we were on the phone for 45 minutes. And uh, so, you know, and this just happened Sunday. So uh, a lot of things like that, that, you know, it just came out of the blue and this guy evidently he must have thought i need to call this guy and (laughs) it took him 10 years but uh but he did so that's and and you guys will have that happen to you it'll you you when you're least expecting uh you know the impact you made on someone or or some program you did and then 10 or 15 years later you'll say oh gosh did i really do that so yeah so that was one that just happened. So I will uh, just wanted to mention that because uh, you know there's lots of stories that I could share, uh, but that one sticks out right now because it just happened a couple of days ago.
1: But having spent most of your time in North Carolina, um, what are some of the things that you miss most about being uh, back in North Carolina?
3: Well, I can't say uh, I miss anything more than the next thing, but uh, the only thing is that when I, when I came out and accepted this position, uh, you know, I, after talking with uh, the, the people here and uh, my immediate supervisors and that type thing, I, I just felt like I look at uh, any opportunity I've had as a calling because a lot of times when uh, over my career, when I've hired people Or when uh, I've gone to work for someone or uh, when you're working with volunteers or master master gardeners or volunteers, I mean, you get that sense from people whether or not they're really in it because they really deep down want to do it or if they're doing it because a friend's doing it or because "Ah, I don't have anything else to do and you can tell. So I had a couple of opportunities that did come up just before I came out here, and and it was just something about the atmosphere uh, when I came here on campus and, you know, about the people and about where you all were in terms of your ag program. I said, I, I think this is where I need to be right now. And so when you approach things like that in life and in your work career, a lot of times you don't really think about, you know, what I did or this or whatever, but the only thing, of course, having lived here now going on six months or so and never lived anywhere else in my life, I I guess the only thing is the people I've met and, and, uh, you know, the the, uh, friendships and a lot of boards and committees that I was on, but the pandemic sort of helped with that because everyone's virtual anyway, so you can still... (laughs) talk or communicate with these same people, and uh, whether you're 792 miles away or not. By the way, that's how far I am from my doorstep. Uh, so anyway, so that, that's kind of it, you know, the people and, and, uh, and some of the relationships and that type of thing. But the pandemic has affected all of us in that realm. And so actually, it sort of helped because of some of these people, we talked to them virtually. <laughs>
0: It, it yeah. normalized it, yeah, but didn't make Pretty it feel much. awkward anymore. Yeah,
3: that's right, because it was a everybody was doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was a sense of normalcy. Yeah, so
1: yeah. In your time in Illinois, what have you found to be one of the biggest challenges that we face in agriculture in the state?
3: Well, right now, if we you would ask me that today, I think. uh, In my mind, uh, one of the bigger challenges is going to be what production agriculture is about to face this year. Um, With uh, the three big things that are happening in our economy right now are going to have a tremendous effect on production agriculture and also people in general, whether, you know, some things related to horticulture or it really doesn't matter is We've got. Uh, we're getting ready to have an increase in interest rates. Uh, we're getting ready to. Of course, we're having inflation, and then we have COVID still out there, plus some things related to uh, jobs and uh, and unemployment. So when those things collide, it tend to affect a lot of things, and particularly agriculture, because we're going to have a two or three hundred percent increase in inputs particularly in fertilizer. Uh, A lot of the inputs, seed costs, some of the pesticide costs, a lot of those things are going to be a little higher. But the main thing is the inputs are going to be so much more this year. And farmers had a banner year last year in income. And uh, with tremendous yields here in, in the state, I think corn yields were 202 bushels and soybeans like 69 bushels. So some phenomenal yields, but a lot of that, those profits are gonna to have to be used this year. Hopefully if they can get the, uh, you know, a lot of the products in terms of supply chain. So um, so right now, I think one of the big things is gonna be, if we had to talk about a sense of urgency, it's gonna be those inputs this year for agriculture. And then for landscapers and and uh, growers of, of horticultural products, same thing, because, Things are going to cost more, and uh, the inputs are going to be more. So uh, that's one of those things that uh, we all are going to experience right now.
0: Definitely. It it, it feels very uncertain as we, we plod into 2022 on a lot of fronts. But mm-hmm. um, I, I'm curious, Travis, like I remember when I started my job here in Macomb, we moved. I, I grew up in Illinois, but we moved from we lived in Manhattan, Kansas at the time, started had a new family, moved to Macomb, Illinois. And the reaction was, um, well, how long are we going to stay here? Um, well, that kind of thing. But then something happened with extension. You know, I started coming to work, and I started falling in love with it. And, you know, liking the town. You know, just just really loving the job. There are projects that I did that just motivated me. That wanted me to keep coming back and to make this my career. So I know it's been a you. I don't think you're a year old here at extension yet um, with Illinois extension, mm-hmm. at least, nope. but is there a project? Is there anything that you're doing right now? That's like making you excited. That's that that you're, you're looking forward to uh, coming up for this year. Yeah. There, there's several things.
3: Uh, one of the things that are, are very exciting right now is uh, you all are probably not going to believe me, but I'm going to get a chance <laughs> to learn about all of those people who work with me because I'm going to be reviewing uh, evaluations.
0: Oh, the most (laughs) exciting thing ever. Yes.
3: (laughs) You can just do that right now. I mean, you just talk about a (laughs) joyful experience. Uh, You know, I'm going to get a chance to look at 50-some or however many there are. And and so while doing that, I'm going to have time to kind of see what you guys are doing. I I say that sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek, but you know that again i i i really enjoyed working in the county and uh and working as an extension educator because again that's kind of where that's basically where the impacts are made there's no extension system without people that are out in the field working with families every day so uh, so that's the exciting thing here i haven't completed a year and i haven't gone through one single spring or growing season and that type of thing. So all of those things right now are kind of exciting. And then looking at some of the initiatives uh, in terms of uh, uh, new and uh, innovative types of programs that we're looking at uh, being here on the edge of Chicago and and uh, some of the opportunities with uh, urban uh, horticulture and agriculture and, and uh, so, there's lots of things you know, in that realm that are exciting just going through the first full spring and, and uh, just sort of seeing kind of what it's like to be out here in the springtime. I don't know how long your spring is going to be, but, uh, so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll wait on the edge of our seats for that one and, uh, and wait until it unfolds. But, uh, but that's, you know, learning more about the, uh, what you all are uh, doing and looking at different types of programs in the county and and uh, and then some of the innovative things that that are coming up here on campus.
0: So uh, Ken Ken's nickname uh, fondly is Peaches. And so, um, <laughs> you know, at some point this year, hopefully uh, some Calhoun Peaches might be ready. So it's Calhoun oh, County. Yeah yeah well it's about that time to start pruning in it
3: so you They'd know probably been when,
2: doing it for a while now
3: that's right so you know getting that pruning done right now is it's very timely back in north carolina usually they'll get start uh pruning in the peaches and fruit trees around about this time of year a little before
0: mm-hmm. yeah as i look out so, at the fruit trees outside my office window i'm Thank you for the reminder. Yes. <laughs> grab the, the Felco's and start hacking. Yes. Away. Yeah. Uh,
3: sure. Uh, listening audience will enjoy that. So it's time to get the trees pruned. So mm-hmm. go ahead and call in and, and contact us uh, at your local extension
2: center.
0: That's right. And wear gloves because it's really cold outside yeah. right now. <laughs> All
2: right. Switch gears um, a little bit here. Let's talk about kind of talk about some of the impacts um, people have as, you know, as educators and stuff. So before, you retired from NC State. Um, you wrote five tips for making an impact. Um, so we're going to go through some of those and see if you're give kind of give your thoughts on those and see if they kind of still ring true today. Even okay. It hasn't probably been that long since you wrote it. But um, so first one, uh, if you want to make a difference, make eye contact. So we mentioned that a lot of things are are virtual now. Um, so how how does that work now? with, with uh, things being virtual.
3: Oh, okay, yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of, I wish someone, I'm sure there's probably a protocol for that, uh, particularly with virtual right now, because uh, something called like uh, Zoom or virtual etiquette or whatever, because a lot of times, uh, do you turn your camera on or do you turn it off? Do you just turn yours on when you're speaking and everybody else leaves theirs off? it would be interesting just to see if there was some type of virtual etiquette because uh, when I first uh, started doing a lot of uh, virtual events, everyone is kind of just looking to see what everybody else is gonna do. So I I still think particularly now more so than than most things if it's uh, the, the virtual, the eye contact, I think that's what got a lot of people through the pandemic to this point is uh, having at least some type of socialization and some type of interaction where you can you know, look at people, get a feel for what they're feeling and thinking. And, uh, and it's kind of difficult to do that when uh, you don't have eye contact. And so the same thing is in doing, uh, interacting with people or farmers or whoever it is you're talking with. I think when you try to uh, make a connection with people, uh, making that that contact with them is very important. I I had a, an older gentleman that actually I replaced him. He retired in uh, in the I guess it was like the early 80s, and I came in a couple of years after him. But but uh, he he would always say that it's really tough for me to look somebody in the eye when I'm talking to him. He said so. What I do is I I'll pick out a spot on him and try to look at that to make it think. Make them think I'm looking at him, and and it's funny because I would notice him when he's talking to you. He would, he would kind of be staring, and I'm like, why is he looking at my chin? You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's sort of doing that just to sort of make you you think he's looking at you. But um, but you know, I always believe, and and then a lot of times when uh, I would uh, sort of go out and meet certain things uh, as an extension. A person, you just can't do it virtually. There's certain things you really have to be hands-on. You got to go out. You have to talk to people and interact with them. And and I I still feel that that's the part that uh, is missing from, uh, you know, extension over the last couple of years is that personal interaction. I know we've come a long way with virtual programming and that type thing, but there's something about that personal face-to-face type thing and uh and it would be nice when we don't have to wear a mask and people can actually see if we're smiling or frowning or whatever <laughs> just but, squinting uh, yeah <laughs> that's it you know you could tell by the eyes yeah uh, but uh but yeah eye contact i'd really that's it, a one of those skills that i wish every young kid now going into high school would, would be able to uh Master, yeah,
0: I'll, I'll have to teach that trick to my my older son. He's ten, but he's still like we're still training him. Like looking yeah. look people in the eyes, you know, yeah. when talking to him. So I have to tell him like just pick a feature, look at something,
3: yeah, look at something.
0: So That's I it. look
3: up over their head, or yeah, chin.
0: yeah, like their ears somewhere, yeah, That's just correct. Look at them. Don't look down the floor. That's right. I'll, you know the yeah. like the four Hers. We have uh, Ken and Katie and I. We all have done four H judging and things. Um, that's a really, I mean, I have learned things from some of their interview skills and how good and professional that they can be. And so, um, yeah, eye contact, just being able to talk with someone face-to-face is a a really good life skill, definitely. It sure is.
1: So the next tip that you gave us was don't expect the corner office, at least not right away. (laughs)
3: Did I actually say
1: that? (laughs) Are you sure? Yeah, add your name next
3: to it. Oh, goodness.
1: Um, Wow, you
3: guys took good notes, I guess, huh? Lots
0: of research.
3: Uh,
1: In your career, do you often see this in young professionals? And do you foresee that ambition can be a bad thing?
3: Yeah. Well, You know, I I know things are different and I know right now in 2022, we're kind of at a collision of uh, Gen X and um, we're at the the baby boomers are most of them are long gone, but sometimes you may get a baby boomer as a boss or whatever. And then you have the the wise and all of these generations now are in the same workforce. And sometimes it makes it a little difficult when you have a mix like that in the same office or uh, same professional venue. And uh, it's a a little difficult, but, uh, and so the expectations are a little different now and and sort of people now going into the workforce that are in their twenties, they, again, uh, think they're a lot of times owed that corner office on the top of the top of the building. Uh, coming right out of the block, and it doesn't always work that way. And uh, it's good to be ambitious, and we don't want to thwart anyone's ambition, but, but sometimes there's some certain skills or assets that people need to work toward before they want to achieve the, the apex starting out. And so I think that's, again, another one of those things that uh, people need to be a little more humble when they're starting out and have a different experience when they're a different approach. And I think all of that ties into how people respond when they get into the workplace. We know people aren't gonna stay in the same job over three or four years anymore when they're coming out of the school. So, I mean, it's just a whole different climate and uh, people are very ambitious. A lot of uh, you know the people now that are going into the workforce are very skilled and have a lot of different things to offer. But you know, there's still some of those core things I think are important when someone is uh, going into the workforce. And and uh, one of those is you can have high expectations, but uh, we don't want to peek out during the first six months on the job. <laughs> yeah. Which is what a lot of them think they can do. I just so anyway, that's that's my thought on that. I mean I, I, I would just close with that uh, question is is it's great to have ambitions and goals but don't expect to be at the top of the game just starting out in any type of, of career?
0: Yeah. Uh, and then there's people like Ken who've been here for a while, and I still can't keep up with the guy. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> so darn on the ball all the time yeah oh yeah he's
3: yes sir you want it done he's already done it yesterday he's taking care of it
0: yeah you bet i like being on teams with ken <laughs> <laughs> You bet. so i another uh, tip that you gave and, and i'll like so my wife she was a contractor for the military and everything and so chain of command was a big thing um, really got instilled in, in, in her and then I hear stories and things it's like that's, it's a very important thing that, that uh, employees have to respect and, and kind of also in that kind of new employee ambition thing that they might not be aware of it. Um, I mean, what kind of consequence have, have you maybe is it like a experience that you've seen where the chain of command was not respected or not followed. Yeah. Yeah,
3: well, that I just have always been uh, taught that. I just think that there's something, if uh, you have an organization and you've got what we call a span of control, where you have your different layers of management in an organization and, uh, you know, not everything is sort of like the military where you have the, you know, the generals and the colonels and the first and second lieutenants, I mean, we're not, everything is like military type mm-hmm. atmosphere, but I still think that uh, you wouldn't have those different levels if they weren't there for a reason. And so what that means is, is very realistic and reasonable is to just follow the chain of command. I mean, if everyone knows clearly who their immediate supervisors and co-workers are, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to... Do that, and I have had some situations where, uh, you know, starting out in my career, uh, lots of times people don't really like the way their boss does things, and uh, and I I can't really say that enough. Is that a lot of times the boss is always, every now and then, going to do something that you I don't think I would (laughs) have done. Well, you know, I don't. Why did they do that? Oh, man, it gives me heartburn, you know, but you're going to have that, mm-hmm. but you still have to follow the training command. Um, yeah. I, you know, still think that uh, in the long run, I'll just say in the long run, it will benefit you more than, uh, you know, you would imagine uh, if you would do that. By not doing it, it would hurt you a lot more than, than not doing it. And uh, several organizations have that issue, I'm sure, especially working in education like we do. Um, Sometimes, you know, people may say, I don't know if I would do it that way, which is one of the beauties of extension is educators basically can develop and plan and organize and evaluate their own programs, which is sort of like doing it on your own. And I like the independent piece of being in, uh, an extension professional—that's yeah. one of the things that draws, drew me and draws people to extension
0: work. There, there's definitely a form of independence with this job, and I have my yeah. own internal chain of command that I think yes. I must also adhere to. You've got to believe it, it. It's not only the griping, as you as you mentioned. I'm sure people have complaints and things, but you want to hear the good sure. stuff too. And that, yes, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's you, a lot of good you, stuff and information. You've got to believe it.
3: You want, to, mm-hmm. you want to do something funny? I have done this before. I'll uh, call an office and say, I like to speak with this person's boss.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And when you tell them that I need to speak with your boss, and you call, and the first thing, ding, 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 the alerts called up. Oh, gosh, what did I do? And then you talk to the boss and say, you know, I just want to tell you that Johnny yesterday did an excellent job at this program. And I just wanted you to know that. I don't know if you already knew. And I have done that quite often. And it's amazing what that will do for not only that person, but it just sort of relaxes people, let them know that not everything is a bad guy situation or a bad mm-hmm. girl situation. You are you know, you, sometimes you do that just to make sure that uh, the good stuff comes out of that, too.
0: Yep. And the heart is working, right? You get the heart rate up sometimes when you get there. There you go. In. That's right.
3: <laughs> That's right. Get that cardio going. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right.
2: So say you do get a phone call and it's not a good one. Oh gosh. Um, none of the other tips <laughs> was never raise your voice in anger. Oh, and I think, yeah. and I think nowadays, at least it seems like we're hearing about that more you know, with, with COVID and, and all the stresses that go along with that. You know, over the weekend, there was the guy who went to the the smoothie shop because they made the drink wrong and <laughs> was cussing everybody out and stuff. So I, it seems I don't know if it's because people have more phones, it's we see hear about it more often, or if it actually is. But what are your yeah. what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, well, I uh, did 4-H work uh, in the county. Most of my when I was county director, uh, we you, you had sort of like here in a way, but we just worked in one county. And I did a lot of 4-H work and uh, for 20, 28 years or so, I did 4-H work, particularly coaching livestock judging teams and did also 4-H club work and that type thing. And you want to talk about flying off the handle when you're hauling kids around and going on trips with busloads of kids, going to 4-H camps and things like that. And uh, so I... Basically, it was funny because a lot of my colleagues back then, you could get away with a lot of stuff that you would dare do now. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I I just never believed in that. And I, um, you know, the kids would always try to push my buttons. And they say, well, he's not going to get mad. You can do it all you want. You know, you're not going to make him angry. And some of the kids that are in their 30s and 40s to this day, they can say, I never saw Travis get mad. And, and that's the truth. Um, you know, and, and I have had to dismiss people before and did not enjoy doing it. And I've had people to come back and say, James told me last week that he got canned and he said, he couldn't tell whether you were angry or not. He said, he came out and he wasn't even upset. (laughs) He said, "What'd you tell him?" I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna tell you that." Like, well, you know, it's just one of those things. I just, I just really believe if you really want to help people and care about people, it's you know, going and chewing people out and and being ugly to to people. That's I just don't think that's the way to do anything. And uh, so, you know, I've always kind of followed that that rule. Uh, you know, internally and, and not just, that's just the way I think that approach is, uh, will, will do, you know, wonders for you, particularly when things get really heated and you have a staff and you, and your staff is watching you and your, your colleagues. And, and I think it's always good to just sort of, you know, just sort of keep the comments and the way you approach things and everybody gets upset, but you know, flying off the handle is not going to be the answer, and I've just never, I, I never have done that, and uh, so um, it's, and I'm not saying I don't get angry, but I just, you know, when you're in a professional setting and working with people, you just, you just really have to, to manage uh, the temperament when you're dealing with people, and I've always found that to be the right approach.
0: Yeah, I, as a landscaper, I, I was just a laborer for a while, and yeah. Um, we had different foremen, you know. They would come in, come, come in and go. And the ones that treated you as you described, Travis, you worked harder for them. Yeah. The guys that would come in and yell at you, you'd go around the other, the back side of the house, and you just <laughs> ah, you know, you'd throw your rake down or whatever, and not do a good job. So That's right. You bet. It it makes a big difference. Yeah.
3: It did. It, it really does. And uh, and so. I know I wish we had some others uh, on our asking questions and working here with us today because I know they all are doing that, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you guys are, I know that. But, you know, it
1: (laughs) It was actually the one that was yelling at the smoothie maker. Yeah, it was actually. (laughs) So, your final tip was everything is not life or death situation. I think we've all probably experienced. Um, some stress in the workplace. Do you have mm-hmm. any tips on how you find it best
3: to manage your stress levels? Sure. I often have been told that uh, Travis, are you excited about going to Illinois? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And they say, well, are you excited about being able to retire early and go back to work? I'm like, yeah, well, I've just kind of the even kill type and, but on a lot of situations, uh, you know, sometimes we tend to respond on a knee jerk reaction. And, uh, you know, oh gosh, we gotta do this right now. And, you know, everything doesn't have to be done instantaneously. Everything is not an urgent situation. Uh, most things are not having to be done three days ago, so Uh, I think if you want to work an extension you're going to always have seven or eight tasks to do within a short window and it's just a matter of just sort of maintaining and keeping it calm because uh, you know there's really not a a sense of urgency where it's it's a life or death situation and if you can uh, do whatever it is you have to do and and Go and, and rest overnight, and get up the next morning. You, you, everything's going to be just fine. Hmm. And I don't think uh, we should uh, just sort of think everything is an urgent situation. Oh, I got to tell them this is horrible. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I think. And um, and and I think a lot of the things that we're seeing now, particularly with all the social media stuff and uh in the workplace and civic organizations and people just get upset and think everything has to be done right now and the way that i want it done and it it shouldn't be that way so uh again if it's not a life or death situation when someone says oh i need to talk with you in five minutes well Mm -hmm. can this wait uh well maybe i said okay (laughs) can we do it tomorrow well maybe i'm like okay (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. so everything is not a life or death situation if it's not then if it's not a life or death situation i think we can deal with it
0: yeah the mm-hmm. perspective that's it's an important part of the job and correct that, i'll say there's one emergency i've had at extension that's when we had a volunteer we we're having a lunch and everything and the volunteer got our windpipe clogged Oh yeah. Food. Now that's a life or death situation. <laughs> there you go. That is a high stress yes. situation. <laughs> so they are okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm.
3: Can we handle that tomorrow? No. <laughs> so,
0: gotta do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you have about one and a half minutes. <laughs>
3: that's exactly yeah. right. Now that yeah. is a situation. Let's jump on it.
0: Yeah. 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 Everything else... Whew. It kind of melts away. I think
3: yeah. that sets the stage right there, Chris. That's an mm-hmm. excellent. Excellent uh, difference there to, to see uh, what life or death really yeah. means. And that's very good.
0: Very good situation there to explain that. Well, uh, Travis, one last question, and then I know you're busy, but we'll and we'll let you go. But I have to ask this hypothetical. Oh boy, here so we go. You won the agricultural lottery, not the actual lottery where you get to do whatever you want with the money, but they will pay you as much as you want to whatever it is you want in the world of agriculture. Now, where would I find you and what would you be doing in if you won all this agricultural money in this situation? Oh, boy. Well, first of all, I would take 80%
3: of the proceeds and I would distribute it eas- evenly amongst the extension ed- educators across the Ah, state. yeah, the good answer. I like that. I wasn't expecting it. That was great. <laughs> so 80% of the proceeds would go there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the other 20% would probably be uh, going to uh, some type of, um, you know, maybe... Something related to agriculture it would be maybe to do uh like a uh, i guess you would call it like a farm uh, mm-hmm. a farm trust of some type uh an agricultural twist to it where uh, people could enjoy through through perpetuity uh, i i in in my days of doing fund development for university i used to would uh i had a guy that told us. Uh, he's passed away. He said, "Don't give until it hurts. Give until it feels good." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would rather just give things away than, to, you know, uh, I figured I, I, I would I would feel a lot better giving it away than to than from me to to just take it and blow it. I would rather, first of all, give it to the extension educators, and then I would say, "Hey, you know, let's do something in perpetuity. Let's see if we can." Like a um, farm trust or, uh, you know, some type of easement or some type where people could enjoy it in in perpetuity, um, after you know this generation's gone. Mm -hmm. So, uh,
0: yeah, that's that, those are important, um, farm trusts, land trusts, whether you're doing it for conservation purposes or because you're Mm -hmm. trying to preserve productive ag land. Um, That's right. That, I mean. We have to preserve this stuff because we we can't be thinking it's going to be done when we're done. So,
3: no, it's sort of like our all of our parents told us, you know, they're not making any more land. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) That's
0: that's the truth.
3: So let's see if we can't do what we can to preserve it. And so we can get it uh, as much productivity out of it as we can in the
0: years ahead. Well, Travis, you have given us fantastic advice um, for whether you're an extension educator looking to make an impact. I think this would work great even if you're like, uh, maybe you're a a farm owner and you're managing other workers and employees or landscaping, no matter, you know, in in either of these cases. So these are great uh, pieces of wisdom that you have shared with us today. So Uh, Dr. Travis Burke, Assistant Dean, University of Illinois, thank you so much for being here on the show today.
3: Guys, I appreciate the opportunity and glad to be here, and we're really enjoying uh, this uh, nice uh, wintry weather. Mm -hmm. It feels good. (laughs) Uh, We're up to 19 today, so that's great.
0: Ooh, i still have the freeze uh i still have the warning on the corner of my screen saying there is a wind chill advisory so yeah. until 3 a.m yeah. uh, yes oh gonna be warming the car up in the morning that's for sure yeah i'll be oh right here three waiting for it oh yeah well the the good growing podcast is produced by Wendy ferguson and is edited this week by me chris Enroth. thank you so much katie ken for being with us as you are every single week
1: yeah, thank you, Travis, for joining us and for all of the uh, great advice that you shared with us that we can use with our careers. And Chris and Ken, it's always a pleasure to uh, see you guys on the podcast.
2: Yes, Thank you, Travis. Um, great. I, there's some good advice there for, for not only us, but everybody out there. And Chris and Katie, thank you as always. Katie, let's do this again next week.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> is it just you and I? <laughs>
0: You will be doing this next week and I won't be here. I'm going to be on oh, vacation. That's right. He's
3: going to get a haircut.
0: I got to get a haircut. This is my first vacation in two years. Um, oh, so wow. uh, good for I you. am so excited. This is going to be great. I'm going to run screaming out of the office here pretty soon. So, uh, you guys, good luck next week. Say love, V. I'll see you uh, the week after. I'm going to have the, I'm going to just I'll be wearing my Hawaiian shirt have a drink in my hand so you guys (laughs) enjoy next week i will large and in charge (laughs)
1: please remember to come back
0: (laughs) i'll try we'll see if we can find the way home well thank you so much travis yeah enjoyed it thank you thank you thank you for listening viewers thank you for watching